travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the shenanigans. It was the early 80s, and sex was still a good way to meet new people. The disappointment. Now that's a real shame when folks be throwing away a perfectly good white boy like that. And the self-confidence. I'm six foot, three inches tall, and maintain a very consistent panda bear shape. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your old pal, Spearsy. And Brad in LA. And today we finally drive a stake through the heart of 1988 and give you the last four hits that reached number two on the charts, but no further. It's our Close But No Cigar series for 1988, part three. You better get yourself a garlic t-shirt, buddy. Or it's your funeral. Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by the 80s Cruise. Join the... What? So much for my streak. <clears throat> Stuck in the 80s is sponsored by the 80s Cruise. Join Stuck in the 80s in 2023 for a week-long trip back into time on board the Royal Caribbean Navigator of the Seas. Performers will include Devo, Brett Michaels, Kim Wilde, The Church, Howard Jones, Living Color, The Smithereens, John Parr, Vixen, Cutting Crew, Midyear, Autograph, Tone Loke, and more. First-time guests can get $200 of cabin credit just by using the promo code STUCK when booking. Just go to www.the80scruise.com for more information. Information more for com, the80scruise, www.to go just booking when stuck code promo the using by just credit cabin of $200 get can guests time first. I know that trick. That's, that's a trick you use for copying a story. You read it backwards and that we find your errors. You probably find your spelling errors, right? Yeah. Well, or grammar errors. Can you find grammar errors reading backwards? You're better at it than I am. <laughs> anyway, guys, it would not be a close but no cigar show if we didn't invite Chuck Coverly, right? Hey, guys. How you doing? Okay. It's Chuck. It's me. Doing good. How are you, man? Good. Hey, man, I'm floating on cloud nine. Because the Phillies made the World Series, right? That is correct. So yes. along with, is it Gritty? Gr- Gritty might be out there one day to throw the first pitch. We'll have to see. I'm not sure. I hope so. Is that the mascot? That's he's the, the mascot. mascot. No, he's the mascot for the Flyers. It's oh, the, it's the, fly- the Flyers. Oh, the fanatic. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes. I knew it was some weird monster animal thing. Gr- Gritty is the latest one and uh, probably the weirdest, I guess, maybe you could That's say. That's why I know about it, probably. Yeah. It's it's weird timing because uh, today marks the 10-year anniversary that I left Tampa Bay to come to Orlando. Does it really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I should have sent you a cake. And one of the only souvenirs that I have from those years is a it's a World Series Cup from the year that the Rays, Tampa Bay Rays, played the Phillies in the World Series. That's right. 2008. (laughs) Yeah. I remember it well. (laughs) Got killed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then the the following and, and the, season, of course, we we went up against the uh, the juggernaut that is the New York Yankees and and lost that game, yes. uh, lost that series. No but for- you know that was it, a lot of people said, yeah, you're the world champions, but you beat the Rays. You know? So <laughs> then the following year, we're like, well, we're going to beat the Yankees, 
and then we got slapped and we'll show you people what we're re- oh well maybe we won't no we were just fun and it was a that, never mind but the newspaper that i worked for at the time was full of stories about fans you know Rays fans who had gone to philadelphia to, to watch the games there and just came back with these horror stories about the way they had been treated by the phillies fans and you know what it depends it 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 kind of depends on uh where you're sitting in the stadium <laughs> If you're, if you're sitting in the Diamond <laughs> Club right behind the plate, you might get treated a little bit differently than if you're all the way up in the nosebleeder seats. You're out on the route and right field. Yeah, like we used to say, you know, if you're going to an Eagles game in Philadelphia, do not wear the opposing team's colors or anything, especially if you're up in the 700 level. Anybody listening who's Philadelphia knows what I'm talking about. Uh, Philly was kind of famous for actually having a court and a jail, like in the basement of the vet. So in anything, the stadium, in the stadium. So <laughs> yeah, if anything quickly... happened, it was like a quick, you know, cause you were, you're, you were, uh, afforded that quick, uh, and, and just a quick uh, trial. Yeah. Trial. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And not quicker than that. You know, it's like, that's, they that's take you funny. downstairs. The judge slams the gavel and into the who's gal you go. That's <laughs> funny. I remember in the, before the angels won the world series, I would go with, uh, my Yankees fan friends. Yes, everyone has Yankees fan friends. And we'd go to Angels-Yankees games, and I would get harassed for wearing an Angels jersey at Angel Stadium when they were playing the Yankees by Yankees fans. I'm like, are you kidding me? Uh, here's here's my thing. So Rays fans, the Rays are in the same division as the Yankees. Um, what I would do is I would go with my really obnoxious friend who liked he – liked, he liked the booze a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And we he loved to go to the when the Yankees came to town, and we would sit there, and the, the, the stadium would be full of like three quarters Yankees fans, and he would just start looking at the lineup card and intentionally mispronouncing people's names from the, from the Yankees, like Derek Jeter. What kind of what kind of name is Derek Jeter? I've never even heard of this guy, and you could just see the Yankee fans around us, just like <laughs> just like seething, kill this guy. If he keeps he's like I don't know who this guy. Just over and over throughout the game, and just just needling and needling and needling. It was it was it was the only fun you could have when you're basically a baseball fan in Tampa Bay. <laughs> now, the year that they they played in that World Series, did they win the division somehow, or were they a wild card? They might have been a wild card, but they've been yeah. in the playoffs pretty consistently since then. They're they didn't they make the World Series? couple years ago again or yeah yeah like 2008 no no i mean <laughs> i think they didn't they win the pennant anyway no one cares this about has been this. baseball talk with steve <laughs> brad and chuck tune in next week when we find something to actually talk about <laughs> anyway we can talk point... about the 80s uh the phillies won the world series back in 1980 oh no talk baseball talk that. is done baseball talk no, is over sorry no more I mean, baseball talk the, the the through line is is it's been 10 years since we recorded the last studio podcast for stuck in the eighties, 10 years. That's crazy. I remember calling in for that last show. You did. And it was, it was just basically a call in show. And we knew at that time, didn't we, that, that you were going to take over. Uh, I think we'd had, uh, you know, my lawyer and your lawyer had had a few (laughs) conversations, but I mean, it was, it was not a done deal at that point. I was still more like, uh, you know, standing outside with my suitcase, like, um, oh God, what's the guy's name from Buckaroo Bonsai? <laughs> I know what you mean. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Oh, what's his name? Let it go. 
<laughs> just like I just like I let those 17 years go at the times. Fair. You were standing outside with your chest on the, the your your trunk like Del Griffith. That's the, just as good. Yes, yeah. that's probably better. Probably closer to the truth. And, and seemingly Goldblum. So sim- Jeff Goldblum. That's his name. Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> wow. What rails? There aren't any rails. <laughs> How can you go off the rails if you don't have any? Anyway, Steve, please continue. Uh, no, no. So it, that was 10 years ago, and it seems like it's been 10 years since we started the series on uh, Close But No Cigars. Ch- Chuck, tell us how again how it started for those who are new to the series. Yeah, so we were planning a trip uh, driving down to Savannah from the Philadelphia area. It's about, you know, straight through, it'd probably be about a 15-hour drive or so, 16-hour drive. Uh, we were planning on stopping whenever you get tired, which is usually sometime down past south of the border. If you've ever done 95, you know where south of the border is between um, – <laughs> Not that south of the border. Um, and uh, I had – I guess I had overdone the – you know, number one hits CDs, burning the CDs for trips and things like that. It's, it had been done so many times. I said, you know what? I want to make one of the number two hits, the ones that were so close, just never quite made it. You know, kind of like uh, the monkey, you know, almost a human, like they just missed being people. <laughs> They're like one. Oh, wow. I'm not sure. Well, I, uh, no you one's know, on the primate anymore. scale. On no the primate one's scale, chimps. Chimps are like, you know, they almost made it, but no, you know, you're, you try to teach them sign language. They just, they don't get it. You know, they still smell just their like, butt. Where's, where's, where's Clint Eastwood? I want to do a movie with that guy and then we'll call it a day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I made up a bunch of CDs of the number two hits and uh, that's how it started. I, I did the research I got. I was, you're able to download PDFs of old issues of um, Billboard magazine. And I got every single one from like 1960 up until I guess when I started this, it was like the week before, you know, sometime in 2000, whatever, and uh, decided to start. I know I love that you guys started in the 70s because that's, you know, like you said, that's the formative years when you start to yeah. uh, listen to the music on your own. You know, that's that's my own station. I'm not listening to what my mom's listening to or my dad's listening to. So that's how the whole thing started. And, uh, you know, I know we're coming to an end, and it's it's kind of sad. It's like sending the kid off into the world, never mm. to be seen again. A little bird flying the nest. <laughs> God, this is all, I love <laughs> yeah, this you get show all that already. space. You get all this space back in your house when they leave, though. That's all I'm. It saying. is true. Like I'm going to get all this space back in my head. <laughs> Aha. Sadly, it doesn't work that way. No, no, especially not when it comes to the '80s. No. Uh, so what we have for this week, we have four songs. We'll tell you what the the number two hit song was, and we'll also tell you what kept it out of the top spot. So we'll play some tunes. We'll tell some stories. We'll have some seggies. And then uh, when we start talking about baseball again, everyone can turn it off. Sound good? Unless they're huge. They might be a huge baseball fan. You know, to In be which honest, case, they probably listen to a baseball podcast instead of right. baseball podcast. And they're like, why the hell these guys keep talking about music in this baseball yeah. podcast? Because they'll be <laughs> drunk, you know, because they're Philly fans and they've been drinking steadily since last weekend. I, I, I kind of get the impression that we do have a lot of baseball fans. Like Dave Dirt is always posting photos of him at uh, St. Louis Cardinal games. That's true. Or Dave Augie August is a baseball fan. He's an Oriole fan. That doesn't fellow fellow Oriole fan, I should say. <laughs> doesn't really make you a baseball fan, though, but. <laughs> oh man 
That is cold. It, it's weird. You can't. I can't throw stones in Florida because we don't have any tradition down. We have tradition of hosting spring training, and and stories about going to spring training games in the eighties and stuff like that. That stuff is legendary. But uh, those of us who lived here most of our lives, we got our baseball through WGN and W uh, and, and TBS. So we yeah. So you were Braves up, and Cubs fans. Right, that's it. I actually came down for uh, spring training once back in the nineties. And I was so excited. I had this trip planned for years. Came down there because the Orioles, I think it was uh, St. Petersburg is where the Orioles uh, spring training was. And it, we get down there. Well, it was the year that they had the lockout. And baseball wasn't happening uh, because of the strike and the lockout. So missed my one single chance that I had to see spring training games in Florida. Anyway, let's talk about our favorite music. I can't believe I would rather talk about the. the <laughs> I'm not going to mention target. the Phillies. Stay on target. I will. It's uh, it's I a do, trap. I do feel. I do feel like I'm waxing a little poetic more than I thought I would be about baseball. Anyway, here's our first song. Uh, this one was from uh, Belinda Carlisle. That's I get weak. I, I don't know why I'm emphasizing the word weak. It's not. It's not. Not a hidden message. It's only Monday. It's weird. It's got a weird feeling for a Monday. But uh, here, here's what's weird. Belinda Carlisle. This is off her second solo album, which was called Heaven on Earth. And for the life of me, I would have bet that Heaven on Earth was her first solo album because this is the one that has all the hits. Yeah. But no, she had one the year before. And that one had Mad About You on it. Oh, so, really? Yeah. Oh. Anyway, as as thrilling of a piece of trivia as that sounds like, I actually have more. Uh, <laughs> Diane tell. Warren. Diane Warren, who everyone who listened to music in the 80s should know who Diane Warren was. She wrote so many hit songs. She wrote I Don't Want to Miss a Thing by Aerosmith. She wrote If I Could Turn Back Time by Cher. Oh she gosh. wrote When I See You Smile by Bad English. Ooh. So in other words, she's the master of the whole um, peak infatuation of love. Uh, yeah, that's song. some pretty serious schmoopy stuff. Yeah. This is the stuff you put on a mixtape and you, you send to the sweet when guy. You're, when you're 15. Um, so this was actually written with Stevie Nicks in mind. Hmm. That was who Diane Warren thought could sing this song best and to be honest i i can totally hear that can't oh, you oh yeah oh yeah. yeah but um anyway it went to producer rick knowles and he said no this is a better fit for belinda and so uh, i get weak with peak in the in march of 1988 uh, what song kept it out everyone is wondering they're just wondering anything to keep us talking from baseball <laughs> at this point <laughs> Say anything, Steve. <laughs> Throw out random song names, Steve. Uh, this song by Rick Astley. Never gonna give you up. Never gonna let you down. Never gonna run around and desert you. Never gonna make you cry. Never gonna say goodbye. 
just me or, or did, were you guys kind of like sickened by the whole Rick Roll phenomenon? I think it kind of snuck up. I, it, it just was out of nowhere. Um, it doesn't matter. I, I, it's one of my favorite karaoke songs that I used to sing back in the day because it really let you kind of belt it out and use that baritone voice. Yeah. But um, yeah, it, no, it's fun. It's. I mean, it's, I love the fact that he embraced it. That well, made it he just had like to. that much better. He, had he didn't to. have to. He didn't have to. He, he sure. could have been a big jerk about it. The guy who's never going to give you up is going to have to embrace it. But what I think the problem is, is that it sort of cheapens the song a little bit. Like, I can't enjoy it now without thinking about Rickrolling. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, I, I don't know what to tell you, man, I mean, but uh, I mean, you could do place. it. Would you, you rather do we talk about the, the concession stands at the Philly Stadium? Because I can't. Uh, if you can, you can do that. But editorial is going to have some comments about the content in this show. Can we, we talk about the Schmitter? <laughs> no, no, we cannot. <laughs> anyway, uh, Never Going to Give You Up is written by the powerhouse uh, uh, hit-making machine called Stock Atkin Waterman. They also wrote You Spin Me Around, like a record for Dead or Alive. And they also wrote um, Together Forever for Rick. So. Oh, good for them. And allegedly, it's based on a real story. Uh, Rick Astley was staying with uh, Waterman at the time, Pete Waterman. And after a three-hour phone call that Waterman was on, Astley said, you're never going to give her up. (laughs) And um, that's how it came to be. You know, listening to this blues music reminds me of my own troubles and tribulations as a young guy. And, uh, you know, my folks, they really, really dump on me. They really do. Okay, Chuck, you're up. No, oh, goodness gracious. I'll, I'll tell you that, about the hoagies it. after the call. Oh, the Schmitter. Yes. <laughs> I don't even remember what's on the Schmitter. Last time I had a Schmitter, I think I had. I said many. we can't talk about that. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the next song. And And that's Mercedes Boy by Pebbles. And it was actually the second uh, single that she uh, released uh, after her top five song, Girlfriend. And that was off of her self-titled 1987 debut album. Uh, I'll give you a guess. What do you think that was called? Uh, Pebbles. Very good. (laughs) At least in... (laughs) Yeah, when in doubt... Go self-titled. <laughs> I was just making sure you were listening. Released in March 88, uh, hit the number two spot in July of that year, and it spent two weeks there. And it was actually written by Pebbles about an, a boyfriend that she had, or, or a guy that she had a huge crush on in high school, produced by Charlie Wilson, formerly singer of the Gap Band. And, and here's some interesting trivia about this song. It was also a number two song on the U.S. Dance Club Songs Billboard chart. So it was a Close But No Cigar twice. Um, oh, man. Cannot find what song kept it out of that top spot. There were several songs around that time. Madonna was big, uh, so I'm not sure what song kept it out there. But it did reach number one spot, finally, on the Billboard R&B charts. And uh, guess what song kept this dance uh, hit out of the number one position on the Billboard Hot 100? Uh, I'm going to guess a song by a band from another famous food town. I think it's, uh, isn't it uh, Hooked on a Feeling by uh, Blue Swede? I'm going to give you a hint. They were on the 80s cruise back in, I don't know, maybe 2017, I think it was. 2017 so. was the year. 
That was the year the Cheap Trick was the headliner, right? You are correct. Okay, there we go. See, brain still works. And that was The Flame, and it was their first single released in April 88 from their 10th album, Lap of Luxury. Uh, The song peaked at number one in July and was the only cheap trick song to ever reach the number one position. And I was kind of surprised by that. Really? crazy. You figure they're, you know, they're a uh, Hall of Fame band, and they had one number, one hit their entire career in the U.S. Okay, so let's, let's take a quick poll. What song would you think if if you could if you were just you were the hit maker you know you have the Midas touch you can take one of their songs and make it a number one song which one would you pick Yeah I know which one it is I know which one I would pick or which the one, one that I would have thought like if you had come to me before we did this and compiled this and said what song do you think was their number one hit uh, I would definitely go with the one that we're probably all thinking well, What do you think? I'm thinking What's Surrender that? I'm yeah, thinking Surrender would, yeah. Surrender Yeah Yeah Believe yeah, it or not, I'd, that made I'd it want totally... it to be Dream Police, but I would think it would be Surrender. Yeah, Dream Police did did better than Surrender, but Surrender only made it to really? number sixty two on the Billboard chart. Sixty two. What is wrong with you people? Get the time machine. Go buy some records. Don't <laughs> be cruel. Made it to number four. Like, did I'm... it really? Yeah. You know the funny the funny thing about that that's their the on this same album. It's an Elvis cover, right? At yep. the same time, Devo's covered "Don't Be Cruel" on their nineteen eighty eight release as well interesting so there are two that versions get? of that it didn't chart i don't think didn't it was released as a single no. they were they were fatigued everybody was fatigued of hearing that album, song by that al- point album cut album cut yeah. Yeah. i always heard a rumor that that uh robin zander the lead singer for cheap trick was never f- really fond of the flame and he never really wanted to perform it in concert sort of has a love-hate relationship with it i don't know if it's true or not but i i, I know he, he lived in tampa bay at the same time i was there and I met him a couple of times. I never I just it just seemed like one of those inappropriate questions to ask. <laughs> hey, so which of your babies is the ugliest? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. there were any uh, questions that were inappropriate to ask when it came to the eighties. Thoughts raced through his mind. Did she really want him? What had he done to deserve this bounty? Does God exist? Who invented liquid soap and why? By um, the way, voices made it to number thirty-two. So, they, I mean, they did have several hits that we can call hits. Surrender, if you're going by top 40 standards, was never really even a hit. It never broke the top 40. That's shocking. Yes. Yeah. It it blew me away when I when I was doing this research. That's such a great, just that's just such a sing-along anthem. Like, that comes on and you turn it up and you sing along. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes when you're drinking, you just kind of mumble through <laughs> what is certain this? lyrics. I'd like to be drinking right now. Oh, I am. All right. So, despite hitting number one with The Flame, it wasn't the band's most successful song in terms of uh, sales. And that honor goes to the live version of I Want You to Want Me from the Budokan show, which reached number seven on the Billboard charts. And it made it up to number two in Canada. So, it was a close but no cigar song in Canada of its own, but. Not the U.S. where it made it number seven. Oh my gosh, we could we could do the whole decade again. Only Great White North, Close but No Cigar. 
can we talk oh. with a Canadian accent the entire time? No, I wouldn't do that. That would be too disrespectful because I'm too fond of Canada as a nation state. I am as well. We have a lot of friends that we made in the 80s cruise that are from Canada. So shout out to all those. Or can, we, can we call them Canucks? Are we allowed to do that? I don't know if we're allowed to call them Canucks, to be honest. Uh, is that a pejorative? Our friendly neighbors to the north. Let's just leave it at yeah. that. The guys that live up above the meth lab. The ducks. We'll call That's them right. That. The That's right. Man. At least the ducks. Um, it, that song did hit number one in Japan, though. So that's all I had to say about that. Yeah. Okay, Brad, you're up. Okay. Well, focus. Here Stay it comes. On target. Here's a track for you from Sir Elton John. Yeah, just like you guys in baseball, I don't want to go on with you like that. Uh, this is an absolute anomaly in the Elton John catalog. He had almost 40 top 40 tracks in the U.S. career, not just in the decade. This is his only song to get stuck at number two. Wow. One week. This one's for you guys. One week in the on-deck circle. You know, I just sat here. <laughs> Bada bing! Are you oh. saying he he didn't hit a home run with this one? Is what you're no, saying? No, he did not hit a I home. Like a run. sacrifice fly, would you say? The grounder. No, I think the game ended with him on deck. You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. This is the first single from his self-proclaimed comeback album, "Red Strikes Back," and uh, it's his highest-charting hit of the '80s. I, I find that hard to believe. I, it's 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 higher charting than uh, "I'm Still Standing." Apparently, why would this research lie? Let's take a quick look. <laughs> no, no, and find no, no. Out. If you say it's true, it's true. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I always thought about it. I'm, I'm still standing as being his comeback album, but but or his comeback, you know, attempt. That's because that's when he had cleaned himself up, as we all know from our extensive research watching uh, the musical uh, feature film that was based on him. Do you guys see that? By the way, I saw. No, I haven't. It's good. Yeah, yeah, it was good different well, i was you're expecting bohemian rhapsody but what you get is more like um you know uh the phantom of the opera or something <laughs> <laughs> to live and die in la oh god you don't say anything bad about that movie i love that movie no, it's, it's um anyway so this is this is what elton called his comeback album i understand what you're saying steve because i kind of see it that way too but in the in the song in case you're having trouble decoding the mystical message here uh, Elton is calling out a lover with a roving eye. Uh, interesting, he sings this from the perspective of a man being cheated on by a woman. He's gay, by the way. Well, good for you. Well, we try. He was still married to his wife at the time and had not come out publicly as gay. Huh. Now, let's talk about the video, shall we? Not directed by David Fincher, but it's interesting. It's a lot of big long left to right tracking shot with the, the players in this sordid tale, Elton, a woman and a number of other men as it crosses from room to room. Uh, Elton does seem to be having a bit of a bad hair day phase here. He's wearing a lot of hats in the video. I don't know if, what was going before, on there. Before the, the plugs great. took root. I, that could very well be it. Uh, so this video watching this, it reminded me a lot of crowded house. Uh, don't dream it's over. Yes. <laughs> they just you know what i'm talking yeah. about how it's yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. continuous shot yeah just one continuous shot going from room to room to room yeah, yeah. Huh, but good what, video. what what you might ask would have kept a song like this in the on deck circle 
See, here's the thing. It's like 1988. This is it's going to be either Madonna or George Michael or Richard Marks, right? Or a George Michael Madonna duet, which would have been amazing. Uh, but no, it's just George Michael by himself. Can't you do it? Yeah, that's right, Chuck. It's Monkey. Back to the primates. That's right. All the way back. It's a callback. I love that. Callback. Two weeks atop the charts, right around Labor Day. This is the fourth consecutive number one song on his solo debut, Faith, which is, wow, what an album. Uh, Again, symbolism not hard to figure out here. Um, It's described on George Michael's official website as a drug abuse saga. Whatever it is about the funk in this track is just oozing out of the recording. This is a dance floor banger. It's a banger. I don't care if we didn't use that word in the 80s. That's what it is, and I'm claiming it now. Video definitely of its era, which is to say that no risky decisions or choices or chances were taken that might affect the value of this clip as a promotional vehicle. Um, it's your basic concert footage intercut with everyone together, black and white footage of George against a white background. I must say in the who wears it better race, I think George Michael's hat game is a little stronger than Elton's. Yeah. Well, so is his hair game. So, yeah, uh, no, this is, I mean, like I said, I mean, George Michael, Madonna, Richard Marks. I mean, the late eighties were owned by a handful of people. Oh, he was ascendant in 1888, too. <laughs> oh, my gosh. This album, good grief. Yeah, it was got, one of those that I got from the uh, the BMG Record Club and just played the hell out of that CD. Front to back, all the way through. It's one of those albums that I can put in, just hit play, and let it go all the way through nonstop. You, you listen to side two on that one? <laughs> well, you don't have to flip over the CD. That's the beauty. <laughs> the CDs. Yeah, that's right. There is no side two anymore. See, that's that's about what the time when you know you switched over from the LPs and cassette tapes. Man, it, what a great time to be alive. Did anyone here besides me have eight track tapes? We had them. I did not. Never I had a recorder. Player. I actually had an eight track recorder. You had an eight track recorder? Would, wow. Yeah. And we record we would record records onto eight tracks. I have a bunch of them in a box in the basement, these blank I didn't know that such a thing was commercially available. BASF. Uh, yeah, yeah, a ton of them. BASF huh. was the was the manufacturer of the ones that we got. And you hit record and right in the middle of the song, it would just and then go to the next track. So I would try to I would try to time the songs just right. Like I would write down the times and figure out how much time you had. You know, and they weren't real long. I think what were they like 45 minutes? Would you say that that was a sign of the times? absolutely every every kiss album i had in the early days was on an eight track tape i have love gun on eight track yeah i mean they must have made a fortune off off of of kiss on eight track tapes and the songs would fade out and then click and then fade back in again oh it's so funny just so so ridiculous but man that's that's how i remember those songs even when i hear them today i half expect them to fade out halfway through and then fade back in I seriously did not think there was a home for that. That was a home taping format. I didn't realize that. That's yeah. amazing. That's that is crazy. What a piece of crap that format was. 
list. Yeah. I had one today though. I would I would I make room for it? Yes, <clears throat> not. You'd probably use it as a coaster. Yeah, I would actually. I can never have enough coasters for my for my failed World Series plastic cup that I still use as a drinking <laughs> cup. Still do, we man. That thing, it, that thing's an MVP, man. It's never – one day it's got a place – It's never going to give you up. It's never going <laughs> to say goodbye. Here's a song that hasn't faded away. Uh, here's one you can't forget by Robert Palmer. She's a crazy Robert Palmer was in music a, a long time before the 80s. He, he actually got his start in the 60s. And he was in a band called, and I'm not kidding, Vinegar Joe. <laughs> what? Which sounds like something that would be like a, a concession stand at, at a Philly baseball game. I'm just saying. No? Yeah. 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 No, that's where you get your um, Fries. sauerkraut to put on top of your <laughs> Philly's hot dog, your ballpark Frank. Hmm. I almost bought a pork roll thing today at Publix. Oh, so we talked about that, right? So you got to do we that. Did, but I just want to say, like, I haven't forgotten you and, and your love of pork roll. You know, if you find it has to be Taylor's, if you it find it, if you get case, okay, perfect. Cut it nice and thin. You have to, you have to cut little lines. Yeah. Because you know, if you don't, they curl up. So you I have know. to cut like little, so it, looks, so it ends up looking like a German iron cross. Yeah. From, like World War One, like the Kaiser. You and then that's why you eat bit. it on a Kaiser roll. Oh yeah! I almost did it. I almost did it, but like I'm trying to be good because I'm going on a cruise in a couple of weeks, and I don't. I don't want to. Don't be good. Gotta get get swimsuit ready. I, no. Don't be good. No, no Taylor Ham. Anyway. No, don't uh, call it Taylor Ham either. Oh really? No. That's that's what the loser New York Yankee fans call it. <laughs> Dang. Haters gonna hate. Man, there's That's gonna right. be some interesting emails after this show. You say, <laughs> yeah, I want my Look, money back. Let's, yeah. <laughs> let's have anyway. that discussion. Taylor Ham versus pork roll. I, I feel like we did that once already. Yeah, I feel like, I feel like Robert Palmer is a Taylor Ham kind of guy, though. What did Robert yeah. Palmer do to get this song going, Steve? <laughs> he, I'm curious. This, anyway, this guy had 15 solo albums in his career. 15. Wow. Because when you think about it, you, I don't know about you guys, but he seemed like he see. I don't remember hearing about him until like the mid eighties. You know what? I heard songs and it wasn't until later. I think that I realized that they actually were Robert Palmer, like every, every kind of people, you know, you hear oh, that. Sure. And I'm like, Oh yeah. And then, um, uh, I didn't mean to the turn one? doctor, on. doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case. Eleven you. Oh crap. Like, that, that's was, yeah. that was, that was seventies, yeah. right? Shit. I feel yeah. bad now. No, but you knew the but, songs, but you just didn't connect you just it with know, him. Yeah, who's who's Robert Palmer? It sounds too like a math pork, teacher. My brain is too much pork roll and bourbon. <laughs> pork roll and bourbon, the Steve Spears story. They do go I together. Love it. I love anyway, it. Um, this was from the album Heavy Nova. Keep in mind, Robert Palmer also fronted the Power Station in 1984 and 85, but dropped out of that. He was not at Live Aid, right? Someone, someone stepped in for him at Live Aid. Uh, to, he wanted to concentrate on his solo career, and and God love him because he was really on fire then. I'm telling you, Riptide, wore that out. Win, yep. He would he would win the uh, Grammy for this song. So. That was a cardboard CD, Riptide. Yeah, remember how they all came in the jewel cases? Oh, but it came in a cardboard. It came in a sleeve. Came Why? in a cardboard one. It, it's several CDs. I guess maybe it was the label. Maybe they were putting it out that way. But it was That's one of those weird. cardboard ones. Heavy Nova. Uh, you know, I think was with the new uh, label. 
So um, he uh, went with the jewel case thing, but I have, I have both of them somewhere in the basement. Let me, let me ask you this, another unrelated nerd question, just to annoy our longtime listeners. So, I mean, I'm sure all three of us at one point had a CD burner so we could make our own mixtapes on CDs, right? What do you mean had? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't got one right here. Did you, did you also create custom labels for it and then and like a custom <sighs> insert for your jewel case? Oh my God. Yes. Yes. Or at least one. I know I've discussed the the famous Valentine's Day mix, mix I made for Katie one year, and that had a, a like lyrics book and the insert and the whole thing. Yeah. Wow. My first, good. well, back in the day, I don't know if you remember, I got my first CD burner in 97 and it was $1,000 just for the drive <laughs> yeah. and the SCSI card controller that went inside the PC to control this thing. And back then, hard drives, you were lucky to get a hard drive that was over 500 megabytes. Oh, yeah. So when you were copying songs, you would have to do it song by song because you would only be able to copy one or maybe two songs to your hard drive and then write it to the CD and then clear what, that. Are you making uncompressed CDs? What kind no, of crazy no. person are you, Chuck? Well, yeah, duh. You know, it's, <laughs> you're only, it was 70 some minutes, you know, whatever it is on a CD, yeah. 74 minutes. Um, but you could only do a couple songs at a time and CDs were like $15 for a blank one. So I'm not just writing on it with a Sharpie, you know, I made <laughs> like, let's I treat this the, with all respect. I made the inserts. I would make a fake UPC code on the back with like my phone number on it. Oh, you would have That's to like awesome. read all kinds of crazy, small writing at the bottom. You know, like if you're actually reading this, you know, and you believe this is a real CD, <laughs> You're an idiot or something. I don't know. Mail, me, was... mail $20 to this address. <laughs> Congratulations. You win. Anyway, none of us win this episode. The uh, This song was kept out by uh, a Guns N' Roses anthem that you probably remember hearing. Yeah. child of mine uh here's a, one quick note before we get to the seggies on this because i don't i don't want to harp on guns and roses um there is a controversy that happened in two, uh 2015 when a, a music writer from australia pointed out that there's a song by the band from australia called australian crawl or just the crawl i guess down there uh, it's called unpublished critics and they say it sounds suspiciously like sweet child of mine you decide. What do you think? I think it's I think it's too close to be a coincidence. It's, yeah, it's not just a chord progression. No, uh, even Duff McKagan, the the bassist for GNR, said the similarities were stunning. How do you think that happens if it wasn't done intentionally? Do you, you think that you fall it's, asleep it, it, listening it, to a song and you wake up and it's in your head? You don't think there's it's possible that two people could come up with the same musical idea oh like it's in, certainly possible 
you know, and then it goes down to whoever. Is it likely? Yeah, it's likely. It could happen. Okay, just because it could happen doesn't mean it did happen. I'm sure somebody else came up with the concept of Close But No Cigar, and I'm just the first one to go, hey, let's make a list of all the songs. Let's do this. Let's do this. (laughs) Anyway, there's one last thing that we should do. It's this thing. The The Seggies. Hey, it's time for TV Party Tonight. I I can't say, I'm not going to sing it. Plus, I'm I'm, I'm hoarse from, from arguing my non-related points throughout the show so uh we play a snippet from a tv show from the 80s if you get it right you're entered into the drawing for a postal friendly bottle opener hey brad did we we figured out who who sent in the note and said it was an unfriendly a postal unfriendly bottle opener did we not um you sent you said you saw pictures i have I not saw, seen I, saw any I think we sent them a, oh, anyway further proof so hopefully I, uh we're gonna get to the bottom of this this and the Taylor Ham versus uh, Taylor Roll. So, um, anyway, if you remember the last time we did this, it was a repeat because nobody had previously gotten the clip. What's a rerun? <laughs> so, we played a longer clip. Brad, what was the hint? You said it was a long running. Dropped a big hint that it was a, a Fox show. I think I basically said it was a Fox show. Right. And and that, that... The next hint was going to be Joe Walsh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, here was the clip. That's obviously America's Most Wanted. Any of you guys watch this show in the 80s? Oh, yeah. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. But I didn't John watch Walsh, Not Joe Walsh. John Walsh. It's one of those that if it was, is it? Is it? No, it's Adam Walsh was the kid, right? No, John John Walsh is the was the host. That was not the, Joe Walsh. The giveaway. Joe, Joe Walsh, Walsh is the. That would yeah. have been a, a, that would have been a much more interesting. <laughs> anyway, we did have some winners this time. Finally, uh, uh, Brad, go ahead and roll through them. Winners this week include Shan Nichols, Kevin Weber, Tom Corn in Austria, Mike Z, David Yeager, Lou Sweet Lou Greeley, Jeremy Bracing for Hurricane Ian Rodwin. Hope you came through that okay, Jeremy. Joseph Perdue, Dave Parrott, Gene and Hollister, Brian in San Francisco, Jeff King, Jeff and Chester, Carlos Lost in Pennsylvania, Albert Anfield, Anfield Albert, and Dave Pedetz. Uh, let's spin the wheel, find out who won the uh, postal friendly bottle opener. Uh, Ooh, can Chuck, I spin it? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. One, two. Sweet My arm is sore. Well, it's from throwing 200 pitches a game. That's it. Yeah. Uh, looks like it's going to land on Kevin Weber. Excellent. Or is nice. it Weber? Like Weber State. I don't or know. is it like Weber, like the barbecue? Oh, it could be like the barbecue. Mm. It's, it's barbecue season here in Florida, finally. So I'm doing that like almost every day. Grilling, nice. I guess. I'm Technically, I'm not barbecuing. I'm grilling. <laughs> so, That's right. That's right. That's don't want right. to upset Brad. Don't want to get you don't want to get me started. Yeah, I was at uh, believe it or not, I was at the Charger game this weekend, and uh, they were asking like trivia questions of one of the Chargers players, and like, what's his favorite food to grill? And they're like, he likes to grill brisket. I'm like, if like, someone no. says to you they are grilling brisket, turn around and run. <laughs> 
So what's the difference? Yeah, you, you have to smoke it, right? If you're smoking it, that's well, barbecue or barbecuing it. I mean, if you're yeah, indirect know. heat, indirect, indirect low heat. Yeah, low and slow. As Otherwise, you go. it becomes too tough. Yeah, you got to give that time for all that connective tissue to goo up a little bit and get all delicious. <laughs> and the fat to render. That does it. The last three vegetarians that listen to the show just quit. <laughs> Sorry. You I can think do the same thing the with asparagus. <clears throat> Don't worry. Meat is still murder. Uh, anyway, um, we ready for this week's clue? I can't remember if we forgot something. <laughs> no, I think we named a winner. Please send us an address. We'll send you a postal hostel bottle opener. Yeah. We'll take it from there. Okay. In the meantime, pay attention. Here's the mystery clip for this show. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. That didn't sound right. Com. Anyway, and tune in soon to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. There's that sauce again. Oh, yeah. Liven up your menu. Break out the boss sauce. Kraft barbecue sauce. Kraft blends 18 zesty herbs and spices into a rich, thick tomatoey sauce. Give snappy flavor to all kinds of meat, whatever. Whenever you want extra special tangy flavor, pour on what it takes. Kraft barbecue sauce. The boss sauce. Oh, yeah. Hey, we're back. We have just a few minutes left. Let's play a game we haven't played in a while. Let's play What's Your 80s Obsession? Brad, what's your 80s obsession? Okay. Last week was strangely Back to the Future Day, right? You guys you guys with yeah. me on this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. October no, I, 15th? It's 2021st, I think. 21st. 20, yeah. 21st, yeah. which is odd to me because I think if you're picking a day, it should be the day, the red letter day in the history of science, the day that Doc Brown invented time machine, time travel, right? That Which is in November, early November. But... October 21st was the day that they went forward to 2015, right? Yeah. So we're talking about that, and it's Friday night, and Katie and I are sitting down like, oh, what should we watch? I'm like, "Mm, you know, it's Back to the Future Day. So we started watching Back to the Future. Now, if you're like me, and if you are, I'm sorry, you have (laughs) Back to the Future, all three of those on DVD. You have all three of them on Blu-ray, but... Being lazy, I get online to see what streaming service is on so I don't have to get up and put a disc in the machine. And they're all on Peacock right now in 4K. Wow. And so I put them on on 4K, and both Katie and I are like, oh my gosh, this looks amazing. It really is crisp. And there are details that you just don't see in the other versions of it. So I actually really enjoyed watching them in 4K. I haven't seen the third one yet. I watched well, what, one and what, two. What exactly? What details do you see that you didn't see in the previous one? Does like Marty McFly like, have three nipples or something? Like, Dream on, brother. Um, you can read signs in the background. You can see textures of things. You can see the handwriting on paper. You, okay, there's just okay, de- okay. little take, details you see around. It doesn't change the storyline. Yeah. Okay. In the beginning, in the beginning of the first one, when you're in Doc Brown's laboratory, uh, you know, before he he blows the the speaker, as they're panning the clocks, you can see the writing, the names of the clocks, and where mm-hmm. they were built, and. Yeah, no, it, it looks incredible in 4K. It's crisp as hell. And I was like, okay, maybe I'm a believer in this 4K thing. Uh, anyway, so that's me. Chuck, what about you? Um, I've, as always, like I kind of go into and out of phases with this, but I always go back to uh, 80s video games, playing Atari, playing ColecoVision. Uh, now you can just play them on the computer in an emulator. So I don't have to get the cartridges out. They're all safely somewhere in a box in my basement. 
Um, but I probably Demon Attack. It was one of those iMagic games that oh, gosh, uh, was the wow. third party. Yeah, uh, I liked a lot of the third party games. Uh, Pitfall. Always go oh, back. That's, that's Activision a was unbelievable. Activision yeah, was games are great. Activision and iMagic, I think, were the two best. Parker Brothers did a good job too. You know, they had Popeye and Frogger. But, um, you know, all these games that I had and all the kids would come over to the house when I was a kid and we'd sit and play and, you know, the 5200 came out and I didn't know reading up on it now, apparently the the Atari 5200 was, uh, considered a flop Mm -hmm. and it wasn't in my house, wasn't in my neighborhood because I had (laughs) Pac-Man, I had, you know, the trackball game centipede played just like the arcade. Um, so, you know, I never knew it's like kind of, we never knew that we were poor growing up. We just loved eating government cheese sandwiches you know <laughs> that's what we had and we just had an argument with my mom i was like she just invited us over for her birthday she's like i'm making grilled cheese for everybody for my birthday and i'm like okay mom that's weird but okay and i said you're making it with Velveeta, right and she's like no i'm using american cheese i'm like what what you get a raise mom I said i said we never had that when, when i was a kid she's like i didn't have the money and i'm like i never thought about it i was like we well, grew up eating you know Velveeta on my pork roll sandwich. <laughs> I, I grew up drinking uh, off a, a grocery store brand soda. Yeah. It, the, there's a grocery chain down here called Winn-Dixie and they, they had their own brand. It was always called, the, it was the Czech brand. So you didn't drink Dr. Pepper. You drink Dr. Czech. <laughs> Is that like Dr. <laughs> Pibbs? <laughs> so anyway, uh, my 80s obsession, we've been traveling a lot lately, going home, going places for the weekend and everywhere we stay you get you know certain cable lineup available in your room and you know I, we don't have cable here anymore we, we cut the cord and now we just have all streaming but one of the things i kind of miss was access tv the cable network because okay we turned it on this weekend uh in tampa and we watched a michael mcdonald concert we watched uh an ario speed wagon uh concert and then we got home and i, I downloaded the app and there's the steve perry dan rather interview so it's just like it's, it's sort of a rabbit hole that I've climbed into that I'm, I'm willing to stay in for a little longer. Nice. Wow. Anyway, we will be back soon with 1989. I don't know how many, how many, how many episodes we're going to have to do to cover that. Hopefully it'll be after baseball season though. Uh, but in the meantime, Chuck, uh, Brad and myself it's, remain here. It's Brad. It's Brad, by the way. In the meantime, Chuck, Brad, and myself remain here. Hopelessly stuck in the eighties. Stuck in the 80s is now on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash stuck in the 80s podcast. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music, and thanks for listening. Stuck in the 80s.